This episode of Naval Gazing is sponsored by valleygivesback.org. Adding a Valley charity to your estate plan creates a lasting legacy that tells future generations what causes matter to you. Your action will inspire others to follow your lead and make a difference. With a plan gift, you have the power to impact the Valley community forever without affecting your current lifestyle. Learn more at valleygivesback.org, an initiative of the Valley Community Foundation. Plan now, give later, and impact tomorrow at valleygivesback.org. For hundreds of years we brought you the news. For the info we gave you the clues. Owners' profits were always sky high. Changing market now threatens our lives. Post literation, critical reading, dumbed down nation, signs of inbreeding, TV sucking ideas from our head, public discourse, just about dead. We'll ride the dinosaur. Yeah, ride the dinosaur. Our readers are in the opens each day. Hello, this is Ethan Fry from valleyindie.org, and you're listening to Naval Gazing, the Valley Indies weekly podcast. Our guest this week is Matthew Huff. He's the president of the Ansonia Federation of Teachers, the union representing teachers in the Ansonia public schools. Matt is a music teacher at Ansonia Middle School and has been union president for two and a half years. He's been employed in the Ansonia public schools for 18 years. The school budget this year has been a point of contention, uh, as it is the past several years between the City Hall and the school district, but this year it's gotten worse than ever, with the conflict now the subject of a lawsuit between the two entities uh, over the Board of Aldermen cutting $600,000 from the school district's budget for this year. Separate from that issue, the Board of Education The Board of Aldermen last week set a budget for next year, that's 2018-2019, that gave the Board of Education roughly $31.2 million for the school year. That's the same bottom line the budget had for this year once the Aldermen's $600,000 cut was taken into account. The school board had requested $32.6 million, roughly. The school board's lawyers said last week that the alderman's budget vote for next year might turn into yet another lawsuit, but in the meantime, the school district has to plan for next year with the budget the alderman voted on. That happened last week, and it resulted in several layoffs, excuse me, and that's what we invited Matt here to talk about. And I guess just to start, Matt, uh, what was that process like? what what you know it's it's become a annual ritual i guess this right. eliminating positions in, in people so how how did that happen uh, last week and and what did you so, guys go through i'll tell you what the part of the problem is that we've now had to do this just about every year at least the 3 years that i've been involved and you know you ask for a million dollars you get $600,000 so you start trimming away the things that aren't necessities well we've kind of run out of those things at this point so when you looked at a roughly 1.3 1.4 million dollar deficit um, we had to take a hard look at, at the budget itself and, and look at 
what it is that we're paying for and how it's paid, whether it's through a grant and many of our positions and many of the programs we have are grant funded, which makes them somewhat untouchable. You can't, it doesn't save us any money to cut something that's funded in a grant. So we literally had to look at every single position and then we look at our contracts and we look at uh, where we can cut based on seniority and, you know, we start there and it actually took us the better part of three days to get through this year. It, w- it was a nightmare. And uh, do you have like, uh, I guess we could go school by school maybe sure. or and i guess start by giving like do you have do you know what the total in, number of right. positions eliminated right. and how many layoffs right so one of the reasons that i decided to do this is i think it's important to get accurate information out and, and it's sometimes hard to understand because we refer to numbers in two different ways the first is there were 24 positions eliminated and so that's kind of the numbers oh i've seen 22 people were laid off well in the end 17 teachers were laid off as of Friday. And that's because we were able to save some based on retirements and people who had already accepted jobs in other districts. So we were able to shift staff around. Um, so in the end, it was 17 people laid off and it is 24 positions that no longer exist within our school system. Um, so if you want to go kind of school by school, we'll start with the elementary schools and we'll look at the elementary schools as kind of one unit. Um, every grade level we had had two, or I mean, we had eight of everything. We eliminated two. So we had eight kindergarten classes this year next year we will only have six um we had eight first grade class actually we had nine first grade classes there will be six next year the exception is for second grade based on numbers we will have seven second grade classes and then continue six third grade classes six fourth six fifth six sixth um which the end result is we're going to have classes approaching 30 in every single class in our elementary school and then uh, other schools, were they impacted as much? Or? Um, the numbers aren't as many, but I think the impact is just as big or bigger. At the middle school, we unfortunately had to cut one math, one science, one social studies, one language arts position. So now you take our traditional model of a middle school where you have teams. We had two eighth grade teams and we had two seventh grade teams. So we had four of each subject. Now we only have three. We really can't have teams that way. So now we go back to kind of an old-fashioned junior high school model where some teachers may teach 7th grade and 8th grade and kids will now be traveling all over the building because we can't keep them in our little team pods that, that kind of limit transitions and you know really build relationships within that staff. Um, in addition, at the middle school, we lost a Spanish position and a technology position. Um, so now we also have less kind of extra things for kids to do. And then the high school... Uh, were there any effects there? Or? There were. Even the high school, we were forced to look at exactly the number of classes that needed to be offered. So in the end, we actually cut um, a science class and we cut a math class. Um, there were a couple of, oh, and a special education teacher, I believe, as well as um, a Spanish teacher lost her job based on the fact that we bumped the person from the middle school to the high school. So there weren't as many at the high school, but again, they're, they're going to have a lasting effect. And the state increased the number of credits our students have to have. So it's going to be a real struggle actually meeting all of the graduation requirements for our students moving forward. And you had mentioned, uh, you know, there, it's, it's somewhat reduced because in terms of layoffs because of retirements and people taking jobs in other districts. Uh, is there any hope that between now and the beginning of the school year that more of that might happen that you the some more jobs might be or i guess if people have been laid off they might be invited back if they're you know there's some sort of i don't right. know how the contract right works. so 
if people leave, we still have to fill those positions. So we actually have a list of uh, callbacks in the order based on seniority, and we will invite people back um, based on what positions open up. Um, obviously, that doesn't help us with things like class size. It kind of takes care of those people who we really wish we still had because we have a very dedicated staff, and you know we don't want to lose anybody that, that we've had for up to four years in this case. There were teachers that have been with us for four years that unfortunately got laid off. So we would love to invite them back. Um, but that only kind of solves part of our problem. And then uh, you were you talked about a little uh, in terms of just the mechanics of of how all this happens, and it's not you know it's not like the 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 administrative staff just like huddles in a room and and then comes to you and says like we're laying off this many people. Uh, it seems to be like more collaborative, I guess, it uh, is. for lack of a better word. Yeah. And um, how did that sort of Over the last few years, we've really tried to work together with Dr. Malone, Dr. DeBacco now this year, myself. We've also called in some of the other administrators for advice about certain positions and, um, you know, if they think somebody's out for whatever reason, if they're going to return, things like that. So it really is a collaborative effort. The, our vice president, Megan, was also with me through most of the pro- uh, process. So we were there, you know, working on it from there. We actually had the board's lawyer also this year, which was kind of a, a new wrinkle, but it, it made sure that we were doing things exactly the right way and really accounting for every dollar to make sure that we were cutting only what we needed, but to also make sure that we met the goal, which was that $1.3 million. And you mentioned that $1.3 million. That's the difference between what the school board requested and what the budget ultimately was. And I've seen a handful of comments on like, you know, online, Facebook, that sort of thing, saying, oh, $600,000, 24 positions, like that doesn't seem to add up, but it is it, it's really $1.3 million, right. the, the shortfall? Or? Well, you have to remember the, the budget that was set for this year at the beginning of the year that we based our staffing for the whole year on was 31.8. It was reduced, reduced to that 31.2 um, in January. And so we had already had all those people on staff. So it was really a $700,000 increase roughly from what we thought our budget was this year. So yes, it is $1.3 million requested and people are like, oh, well, you don't really need $1.3 million. Um, again, we go through this every year. So, um, you know, as a kid, my parents taught me the difference between wants and needs. Um, and there's nothing that we want in that budget. It's everything that we needed to function as a school. So that's where it is. And then other things come into play. If you're in the private sector and you get laid off, um, the private companies can pay unemployment insurance and they only pay a small percentage of the overall cost. If you're in a school district or your municipality and you lay people off, the district is actually responsible for 100% of the cost of unemployment. So a teacher making $50,000, the first 18000 or so, we lose as savings because it's going straight to unemployment insurance. And we have to plan as if every one of our teachers is going to collect unemployment for the full length. Uh, you know, we don't know if they're going to get a job next week or next year, or, you know, the teaching market's pretty tough right now, especially for our element, elementary teachers. So we have to plan accordingly. The district has to uh, uh, figure they're going to absorb a, a tremendous amount of that unemployment cost. And you also mentioned, um, grant funding some positions are are funded by grants and that's sort of at the heart of the controversy between the city and the school district and like you're not the superintendents (laughs) are not going to like ask you to go like in depth but just um basically you know the city says last year while this budget mess was going on with the state uh that you know they didn't know whether the alliance district would come through so they they said we'll give you a six hundred thousand dollar increase assuming it won't and then if it does we might revisit that right um the school district says that 
um, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I know you don't speak for the school district, correct. but they say basically uh, you can't use those grant funds to essentially replace what the the local school funding is right comes from so so I, I think it's interesting one of the comments you just said was that we'll revisit that and i think that's a good way of looking at it i went back and i read all the minutes from all those meetings i was at the meeting in june and it was basically oh if we get additional funding we'll sit around a table and see what we can do to work things out and that obviously didn't happen there was no sitting around a table and and so what we're left now with a situation is yes we got additional alliance grant funding alliance grant funding can only be used for key areas and there are areas of weakness that the state has indicated so things like graduation rates or um, absent, chronic absenteeism or our early literacy, you know, teaching kids in kindergarten, first, second grade how to read. So any positions that we, any of the money we use has to be geared towards one of those areas. So we can bring in reading interventionists, which we had cut previously, which we can now hopefully bring back. Um, we can bring in, you know, homeschool liaisons in order to help build relationships between the community and our students and truancy officers and that sort of thing. But none of that money can be used for a third grade teacher or my salary as music teacher. Um, the state has specifically designed it that it has to supplement versus supplant. Supplant meaning replace. And I, I think that's where things get a little bit foggy is that, yes, we got all this money, but it, it's for new initiatives not to pay for existing initiatives. And, and there's a little bit of wiggle room here and there that sometimes you can shift a position. But again, it's only in those key areas. So when you're talking about $1.3 million of classroom positions, we can't possibly replace those with our Alliance grant funding. And again, the state's making sure that we make benchmarks based on the things we do. So our graduation rates need to improve next year. Our attendance needs to improve and so those are the areas they're looking at. They're not looking at what our third grade teachers are doing. Mm -hmm. And then the, like the priority or the, uh, excuse me, the Alliance District grant, uh, it's specifically geared toward uh, some of the poorest and lowest performing districts. So like Correct. the thinking behind it is that, you know, we need to give them some money above and beyond what the local money they get is not replacing what Correct. the local money is. Right. And, and this, I think that's kind of the crux of what the State Department of Education stated when they responded with all these lawsuits is, hey, you can't do that. This money is meant to help the district. Um, and as a matter of fact, the Alliance Grant's been around for a number of years. And as time's gone on, it's gotten significantly more restrictive simply because they know communities were trying to do that. They were trying to, to move things around and shift funding um, instead of bringing in new initiatives. So the state is now really examining it. They actually have a person who comes in monthly to pay attention to exactly what the district is doing with it. And now with everything that's been on the news and you know everything that's going on, you better believe that the state's looking at every single dollar that we're spending in Alliance Grant funding. And it's just going to make things 10 times harder. I have a bunch more questions, but sure. you mentioned like the news. Obviously, like, I've never seen so many like TV cameras uh, focus on an issue in Ansonia or really the valley that it, that it wasn't like an explosion or fire somewhere uh like do you are do you talk to people elsewhere in the state do you hear from people that say like you know what's going on there like do you think this sort of gives the community like a a black eye or, or like uh, i think it, it's drawing a lot of attention to the community and in some ways because of the struggle we're having it could be good it could be bad unfortunately whenever we've had people say things on camera that are not so flattering like that's where it's a problem is i think we all need to act pr professionally at all times and and i think there are some people that have maybe taken advantage of saying things in front of the camera and you know making statements you know um you won't hear me bashing anybody here or any other interview you know we need to focus on what's best for the community not calling somebody a name or saying something inappropriate just trying to get a reaction 
Yeah, I guess sort of speaking of that, uh, I mentioned the, the court case. Uh, it's, it's now uh, the controversy surrounding this year's budget uh, is essentially an issue for a judge to decide unless the parties can, can settle out of court. Um, last week, there was going to be a hearing because the school district had said, hey, we might have to close schools early um, if we don't have this $600,000. And there was going to be a hearing where a judge, uh, they had ordered, they had, they had asked a judge to order the city to release that $600,000. Uh, there was a last minute settlement the night before the hearing where the city has set up a settlement fund of $500,000. Uh, that the school district can use to sort of close out their their books for the year, um, and so when that settlement was announced, it was voted on unanimously, approved by both boards, and it was I don't know there it, it when when settlements are announced, it seems like oh okay the, the parties are sort of getting together and collaborating, uh, you know within minutes of of the settlement being accepted in court, the the mayor released a statement, the superintendent released a statement, basically digging in their heels, for lack of a better word, you know, right. saying, I'm right, they're wrong, uh, and we'll, f we'll continue to fight this out. Um, were you surprised by that, I guess, first? And then second, like, uh, just in, in talking to people that you talk to, you, you know, you talk to more people than I do on a day-to-day -day basis, do you think that, the, that this whole court case might get resolved without, you know, a judge having a hearing and saying, you know, right. you're right, you're, you're wrong? Um, at this point, nothing surprises me anymore. I, I think that in this case, both sides think they're right. And I think they think they're doing what's best for the community or the students, whichever side you're on. Um, the, the problem is, though, that the hearing last week was an injunction basically to keep schools open, to force the funding through the end of the year. Unfortunately, that number, that $600,000, has implications on next year's budget. Um, schools and communities, when they're funded, base the funding on the previous year. You can't just reduce funding from year to year. So by taking away the $600,000 this year, it automatically allowed them to try to take away the money for next year's budget, making next year's budget already at a $600,000 deficit from the school side. Um, and I think that's why we're so passionate about it, is that it's not just implications for this year, it's implications for every year moving forward. It lowers now the, the standard funding level for the district. And, and I'm hopeful that we can come to some sort of settlement because the court date is, what, October of 2019. So basically a year and a half after the problem happened, we're going to maybe get to some sort of judgment. So I, I'm hopeful that the sides can come together and find a solution that works. Yeah, that, that's the minimum budget requirement, Correct. MBR. And then the, like the uh, president of the Board of Aldermen, after the settlement votes, uh, you know, explicitly said, like, yeah, that's, that's why we're accepting the settlement. It's because it this doesn't count toward, toward MBR. So it, it seems that they sort of always had an eye on, on next year's budget, you know, during this sort of the beginning of this litigation over this year's budget. Um, and in, in terms of just like what's going on in the city, um, like compared to other places, like you, you said you've been here 18 years. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure you talk to other union presidents throughout the state. I'm sure you read the news, like just from, uh, a, from my own perspective, like I've been at the Valley Indy since 2012 and it's sort of like this whole battle sort of reminds me of what was going on in Derby, it, like between uh, when Mayor Staferi was in City Hall and Superintendent Tracy uh, was the, uh, 
school superintendent, there's, there was seemed to be, you know, this running battle every year over, you know, oh, you got grants, so that means we can give you less money, et cetera, et cetera. And it, it's, it just seemed like, oh, my God, this, this will never get better. And yet now, like, it, I, it is, there's, there's a pretty good relationship, it seems, in Derby between City Hall and the school district. Uh, neither Mayor Stafari or Superintendent Tracy are around anymore. Um, do you think, like, would, would the city, would Ansonia benefit for, from a sort of a change in personalities in terms of, like, leadership uh, in either City Hall or the school district or, you know, the boards? I mean, it, it just seems that, like, the, if you get the same people butting heads right. against each other, it's just going to result in the same thing over and over again. I think the biggest problem is that there's very little communication, and there's certainly very little positive communication, and I, I feel like that instead of having real, tangible conversations about um, who is impacted by this, um, the battle is not being waged by necessarily Mayor Cassetti or Dr. Malone. It, it's being waged on social media, and it, it's all rumors, and it's conjecture, and it's... Um, kind of like a, a mini version of what's happening nationally with, you know, people screaming about fake news and in inaccuracy of statements. And I, I think that as leaders, people need to make accurate statements. And I think people need to do research on their own and, and minutes are available and you can attend meetings. I mean, we were at the Board of Aldermen meeting and there were tons of people there and they're all screaming about how the Board of Education is not sharing information. And then the very next night or two nights later, we had a Board of Education meeting and there were 10 people in the room. So we're screaming and yelling that we want more information, but then we're not doing what it takes to acquire that information. Or on social media, it's like, well, how come we didn't know this was going on? Why weren't we as parents informed? All of these things have been talked about numerous times over the last several months. I, I, I don't know that if you had attended meetings, what, you wouldn't you know. What all of these, like, because... Well, I, the I budget amounts, yeah, yeah. but all these things. They, they want to know what we spend the money on. They want to know how the district spends $31 million because because we've now created this fallacy that the $30 million is an incredible amount of money thrown in a school district. And if you actually listen to what the school district's saying, you will see that $31 million, when you break it down on a per student basis, is one of the lowest in the state. So yes, $31 million is a lot of money. Ethan, you and I could retire and be perfectly happy for the rest of our lives with $31 million. But when you're talking about a school district with you know 2,400 kids and 375 employees, or $31 million doesn't go nearly as far as we think it does. Something, and this is just an interjection, something I've heard people from City Hall say, I think the mayor said it specifically in an interview on WPLR as recently as last week, was that the Ansonia School District is one of the highest employers in the New Haven County of all the school districts. Do you know? Do you know I heard that, and you know what? I, I, I read a lot of statements, and usually I can try to figure out what it is that they're trying to say, and if it was, oh, we misheard a fact or we were misquoted. Um, but in this case... I have no idea. We're not even close to the second largest school district in New Haven County. I mean, you look at New Haven Public Schools has thousands of teachers. Um, same with Waterbury Schools. Same with West Haven or Milford. Like, we're probably not the number top 10 even school districts in terms of employment. So I really have no idea what he was trying to say on that uh, PLR report. And uh, I, we're jumping around here. Sorry. <laughs> That's just, okay. Like, you know, that came up, so I wanted to, right. to touch on it. Um you mentioned social media. One of the things I hear or see the most on social media is people saying, uh, you know, instead of teachers, why don't you cut administrators? Like, we have too many administrators. Um, I, and you're not the head of the administrators right. union, obviously. But do, do you know how that how Ansoni compares 
uh, in terms of administrators to other districts? And were there any administrative cuts uh, as part of the adjustments last week? So I, I do know there were administrative cuts. I don't know the exact number. And I, I know it's kind of up to those administrators and our building principals to explain that to their staffs who's going to be where next year. Um, I do know there were cuts. In terms of on a state level, when you look at like number of students per administrator, our numbers are not out of line. You look at the average elementary school that has 300 kids may have a principal. You look at something like, you know, Oxford Center School or you look at Quaker Farms School, they're much smaller schools. They have one administrator. Our elementary schools both have over 600 kids each. So you're still looking at the same exact ratio. So you really have one administrator for every 300 kids at the elementary school. Um, and honestly, because of things like our special education numbers, our administrators spend a tremendous amount of time in meetings. You know, they, they ultimately are responsible for making sure that things like a PPT are run effectively and, and legally. Um, so if you have one administrator that's in meetings all the time, you need somebody else to run the buildings. And, and you know, we have, we have kids that that need support and so we need people we need to be able to ensure safety in our schools um so our, our administration isn't out of line it's not like we have all these extra administrators that are hiding somewhere i think that two administrators per school is a minimum for schools the size that we have and that's uh, administrators i should have defined it i guess it's principals right. vice principals um is it athletic directors? Are they included? Athletic directors, depending on the school district, is sometimes a stipend position. Okay. Sometimes it's an extra administrator. Ours is, you know, uh, Mr. Brockett obviously is in charge of our um, alternative program as well as being athletic director. So he kind of takes on two roles. It doesn't mean he gets two full salaries. There's places that an athletic director is getting paid $150,000 a year. That's not the case in Ansonia. And then people, people like to scream about the superintendent and assistant superintendent. And the simple fact of the matter is, one, these are not new positions. We've had an assistant superintendent the entire time I've worked in Ansonia, over 18 years now. Um, and a lot of other districts have these positions. Sometimes they just call them something else. Um, there's plenty of... Director of curriculum. Director of curriculum. Right. And, and sometimes they'll go as far as when you go to a board of education meeting, they don't, they're not there. So people don't realize that they're employed. But if you actually go look at their budgets, they do exist. They're working. They're making even more money than any of ours are making. Um, it just so happens that we in a, we're in a district where both of our, our kind of senior administrators are actively involved in board of education meetings and the decision-making process. And there's a, and there, there should also clarify it, but there's, uh, you know, the administrators for like the buildings, the vice principals and principals, right. uh, superintendent, assistant superintendent, those, the principals and vice principals, they're in uh, administrators union. Correct. And governed by a, a contract. Correct. The superintendent, assistant superintendent, those positions, they have contracts of their own directly with the Board of Education. Correct. I'm mistaken. So it's, it's yeah. the administrator's contract, quote unquote, doesn't cover all administrators right. per se. There's, there's different. And then even within that, you have, you know, variations for principals and assistant principals and then other people like curriculum directors and those people um, kind of have different aspects of their job. So how they're in the contract are a little a different. Director of special education, you'd call that an Kind of a senior, role. yeah. It, it gets complicated and, and honestly I don't even know all the ins and outs of it. But believe me, there aren't like eight people hiding in a room that we're paying for. It, it simply doesn't exist. And uh, something else I wanted to touch on, just a, a comment I saw in passing uh, someone was saying, you know, wouldn't a freeze on salaries all around uh, save jobs? Presumably they meant uh, not having any raises. Would that save jobs? Um, 
obviously the contract calls for raises. What like is that even possible? What would be what would be your response? So to that? we negotiated our contract in good faith. Our teachers were at the time of our contract, which we negotiated two years ago, were one of the bottom two or three paid districts in the entire state. Um, in order to retain teachers, because we actually lose close to 20% of our staff at any one time, we, we felt the need to give teachers what they deserve is to move a step. Um, most districts move a step every year. This is the first time in the 18 years I've been in Ansonia that teachers moved a step every year. And the total cost of that is less than 3%. We average something like 2.7%. We're not talking about teachers getting huge raises. We're, we're talking about what's standard within the educational community. Um, and Yes, we would save money, but again, if every single teacher froze, maybe we would save you know five or six jobs. But we're not talking about five or six jobs; we're talking about twenty-four jobs. And then, I mean, it's, it's important to point out. I would, I would just in passing that you mentioned the the contract was negotiated two years ago. I Correct. think the. Board of Ed voted to approve it, and the I believe the Board of Aldermen had to so approve it as well the, the, under state law. The, the contract goes to the mayor's office, and then after he uh, does nothing for long enough, it becomes valid, and I believe the contract sat on his desk. Okay. Um, but the mayor is actually the reason we opened our contract two years ago. He specifically asked teachers to make fundamental changes to our insurance um, to save money. So all of the teachers gave up the insurance they had, which was kind of a traditional PPO plan, and we went to an HSA plan, a, a, you know, a, a specialized account. Um, and so we agreed to do that to save money two years ago um, in order to help fix a budget. So as far as I'm concerned, we did a huge part. We actually saved the school district almost a million dollars in the first year just by switching insurances. And because of that, as kind of a compensation for changing the insurance that people really didn't want to change, that's probably the only reason or one of the main reasons that they actually gave us step movement in all four years of the contract. Like I said, which is something we have not had before. I've been in the district 18 years and I made it all the way to step 14. So, you know, we, there's been plenty of times our teachers have been frozen, built into our contract. And do you think that, I mean, given all this animosity that's that's been in the air, uh, do you hear from members of your union, I guess, who say, you know, we're, we're, you know we're, we get beat up all the time, like, you know, we opened up our contracts, and the, that's some guy texting me, sorry. Uh, no World Cup spoilers, please. The, uh, but do, do you hear from members saying, like, well, we're getting, like, beaten up, and we made concessions, so, like, next time we negotiate a contract, we should play hardball and, and you know, I, I as think, much as we can? Or? I, I think we look at it as that our teachers should fight for what we deserve. Again, if standard procedures is some sort of raise on a yearly basis, as, as our contract lays out based on step movement, then we should assume some sort of step movement every year. And then if, if thing, times are tough, um, then we talk about alternates. Maybe it's give everybody a little bit, which we've done in the past as well. But again, our, our teachers work really hard. Our teachers are still underpaid vastly for, you know, for the state. And it, it's tough because we have to compete with schools that are close by. So not only are we competing against Derby, which pays more, um, several thousand dollars more as starting salaries, but we're also looking at the Monroes and the Newtowns and the Sheltons who all pay more. So it's for a first year teacher to say, hey, you know what, I can go 10 miles down the road and make significantly more money. There isn't a lot of incentive to stay in Ansonia, especially when you're going to have 30 kids in your you know, kindergarten class next year. 
Hi, this is Eugene Driscoll, most likely interrupting myself to bring you a message from our sponsor, valleygivesback.org. Adding a Valley charity to your estate plan creates a lasting legacy that tells future generations what causes mattered to you. Your action will inspire others to follow your lead and make a difference. With a planned gift, you have the power to impact the Valley community forever without affecting your current lifestyle. Learn more at valleygivesback.org, an initiative of the Valley Community Foundation. Plan now, give later, impact tomorrow at valleygivesback.org. And I, uh, I don't report directly on all those communities, but uh, you know, Monroe, I'm guessing the per pupil spending is probably higher than it's significantly higher and, and yeah and, and I guess that's just a function of being in southwestern correct. connecticut and, and very simply again it, it's a matter of proximity i understand that the, the education is different the students are different the community is different in some of those places but if you're looking at a, a teacher perspective where i can go and get a job anywhere i'm certified to teach in anywhere in the state you know I, if i can go a few miles down the road and, and make things a lot easier on myself and have smaller classes um we're gonna have a really hard time retaining teachers from this point also and then you brought up uh, Derby, and I wanted to ask you uh, specifically about that because there is a schools regionalization committee that's going to meet for the first time, scheduled to meet for the first time, their, uh, Wednesday night. Um, and that's basically a committee, both boards of aldermen in Derby and in Ansonia voted to form this committee. Uh, there are members from the boards of aldermen and boards of education in both cities, and then some at-large members, for lack of a better term, and there, uh, there's like a special honcho from the state who right. supervises the whole thing, and they're going to study the issue of regionalization for two years, basically whether to have a regional school district. Uh, if they, after two years, decide to recommend this, it would still have to be approved by voters in both cities uh, by referendum. Um, and I guess you mentioned like the teachers and uh, it's two different unions it's, i believe yeah right? well, uh derby is part of cea and ansonia is part of aft so it's not even within the same union unit from the state level so you and then you know it gets even more complicated once you leave teachers you know ansonia has teamsters we have all sorts of different unions and so you're, you're not talking about one or two unions figuring out how to combine you're talking about four or five completely different union groups all trying to figure it out if we get to that point and, and my whole thing is it, it's a two-year study i have no problem at least listening at this point i i try to stay fairly open if there's some benefit but I, it's kind of alarming to me whenever the group that was picked for me in sonia when the mayor brags about well i pick people that are all very pro regionalization to be on this committee that's why they're on the committee well when to me when you form a committee you want people from both sides of the equation to be involved because sometimes you miss things so if everybody's gung-ho pro regionalization you may be only looking for the positives and you may miss some of the negatives and and that's my concern and that's why i'll be following this very closely and i'll hopefully be at some of these meetings um and i'm sure there will be people from derby doing the same because this is a huge consideration this is not something that can be decided overnight like you said it's a two-year process just to get through the study um, and there's a lot of moving pieces and quite honestly if I were Derby right now I'd be kind of hesitant with all the stuff that's going on and all the negative press in Ansonia I'm not so sure why they'd want to uh, have a lot to do with us 
Yeah, there, I mean, there was a statement back when this whole lawsuit controversy was sort of heating up. There was a uh, Jim Gilday, the Derby Board of Education chairman, uh, tweeted a link to the uh, somebody. I may, it might have been one of our stories about it, saying, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but it was like this is, you know, this doesn't exactly make me enthusiastic about the prospect right. of, of combining. So, um, and I'm just want like. A, if I were a teacher in Derby and I were making thousands of dollars more than a teacher in Ansonia, like I'm guessing they're not, they're not going to be just, uh, yeah, cut our salary thousand. I mean, if anything, right. it would be, uh, 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 an increase of salaries, uh, for teachers based in, in Ansonia. I mean, like right. we're, we're sort of jumping. That, that's what I said. It, it's so complicated. And, and honestly, you're taking two school districts that quite honestly have both had their times of struggle. Derby is not some like amazing school district that everything's going right. There's test score. Their, their test scores aren't 50 points higher than ours. Like, the communities are, are fairly similar they're, you know, their student population is smaller, but at the same time, they haven't done absolutely amazing things. You know, I'm sure their teachers are very hardworking, as are ours. Um, but so you take two struggling school districts and you put them together. I'm not so sure what the end game is. I'm not so sure other than, you know, I think there, there's some goals to eliminate some administration, which in, in many of these regionalization cases, that isn't the case. They still retain many of the administrators they have. Um, but I, I don't see where there's an empty building that we can put two high schools in, which is where a lot of these places save money. So I, I'm not so sure what they're going to find. Like I said, I, I don't see where there's a tremendous amount of savings. And I, I could be wrong. Um, but both, but I think both that... Both Alliance districts, correct? Is I think so. I, I, I'm really not sure about that. I know Derby has yeah. had issues in the yeah. past. I'm not positive about their status as far as from the state. But like I said, they're not like light years ahead of us in the educational process. And both, I both have built schools. I mean, not like within the past two years, but relatively recently, you know, the past ten, twenty years. I think right. both both districts have have made sort of capital investments yeah. into the, the physical plants. Yeah, so, and Sonia finished their construction. It, it seems like it wasn't that long ago, but it was two thousand. So we're, we're about eighteen years in. Um, but yeah, so we built that beautiful high school. The high school really is amazing, and you know, there isn't room for all of Derby's school kids there. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, I guess that, that'll be sort of a separate issue to uh, keep an eye on going forward. And it's sort of divergent from, from, the, from the immediate budget needs Correct, of 2018, yeah. 2019. I guess just to close things out, we've been talking for about a little over half an hour now. Um, you, know, what, what, you know, after graduations today from the, for the high school, schools closing out the year, uh, between now and... Uh, the start of schools again in the fall. Like, do you, do you do you have, Where do do you we have go? any do you have any pros any prospects for for optimism or, or, or like how how do you how do you address things? So like this my hope is that the two sides can sit down and find a solution that works. I think right now we're at a, a solution that doesn't work for kids. I think it's very obvious that none of the none of the cuts that were made are good for kids. They're not good for our schools. Um, and I think we need to focus back on the kids. And I said this from the beginning, you know, when they get up there and they're yelling and screaming at these meetings and the aldermen are basically saying, oh, Dr. Malone's not doing a good job managing the money. 
Well, one, she's not the one managing the money. There's a team that makes the decisions. We have some very qualified people. We, we've made some changes recently with the addition of Dr. DeBacco and Ms. Jones, who's our uh, business manager. And, and they're looking at finances in a way that has never looked before to save money. There isn't this huge amount of money savings. But again, you're, you're punishing the school district because you don't like the superintendent. But it's not the superintendent who's being punished. It's the teachers and the kids that are losing out. It's the kids that are now going to be in huge classes. It's the kids that aren't going to have opportunities that you have in many other school districts. We don't have the number of sports that they have in other districts. We don't have a middle school band program or an elementary school band program. We don't have theater. We don't have, well, now we don't have enough language arts teachers or math teachers. And those are real subjects. I don't think there's another community around other than some of the big cities that even approach 30 kids in a classroom um, so we need to have people sit down in a room and say, hey, look, we need to educate kids. We need to provide an adequate education. Um, and I'm at the point for the first time that, you know, every year it's, oh, we'll figure out how to make do. We'll figure out how to teach because that's what we're paid to do. We're teachers. We're going to do whatever it takes. If that means we work a little harder, we work extra hours. Um, most of our teachers are there well after the contract at the end of our days. We're now at the point where we're not sure how we're going to do this. And I think that's what needs to be clear to the public is that this is a, an extremely daunting task. We're going to lose numerous teachers in the process because they're going to say, I'm not teaching 30 kids in a class. Um, and so we, we need these parties to sit down and come to some sort of agreement moving forward. You know, the aldermen have to realize that, that we need to educate kids, and, and I don't know how we're going to do that at this point. You know, we, we all kind of have to rise above. I think all of us are professionals, whether it's the aldermen, the mayor, the superintendent's office. You know, there, there, there's a expectation of being the leaders, um, whether you're an elected official or you're a paid official. And I think... Quite honestly, one side's done a pretty good job of trying to to f focus on kids and doing their job, and, and the other side needs to do the same. I, I think you know I did hear that PLR report, and I've heard some of the other statements. I read the statement released from the mayor's office, and we need to do better. We really do. We need to keep our kids at heart, and, and we need to do what's best for the community and, and educate our kids. Okay, that's Matt Huff. He's the president of the Ansonia Federation of Teachers, and this has been Valley Naval Gazing on valleyindy.org. Matt, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Thank you. For hundreds of years, we brought you the news. For in the info, we gave you the clues. Nutrition. 
dinosaur will ride the dinosaur. Thank you.